Welcome back to What We Believe and Why. Before our break, we heard an excerpt of Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about storing up treasures. As we continue, George will flush out implications for our understanding of glorification. Here's George. So we're talking now about storing up treasure in heaven. And Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven, where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, and where they will be safe from thieves. So there is some kind of treasure, whatever it is, that we can store up in heaven. The old saying about heaven is you can't take it with you. But the implication here is that there is something you can put up there in advance, like an investment account, and get it later when you go there. I know that sounds odd, but that's what Jesus says. Or what about this? Jesus again. Take care. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I assure you, they have received all the reward they will ever get. In other words, the praise they got from the people is their only reward. That's that. There isn't any more reward for what they have given. So if we don't brag about what we've done, any gift or kindness or act of love, then we will get a reward for it from our Father in heaven. But wait, You might argue that because the first verse says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven, that Jesus was describing some kind of reward here on earth now in this life rather than later in heaven. But actually, the Greek doesn't say that. The Greek says, because then you will lose the reward with your Father in heaven. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say from your Father in heaven. It is from him, of course, because everything is from him. But it isn't just from him. It comes when you are with him. Here's another scripture quote. Jesus again. If you refuse to take up your own cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will find it. Anyone who welcomes you is welcoming me. And anyone who is welcoming me is welcoming the Father who sent me. And if you welcome good and godly people because of their godliness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And so, that is that when good and godly people come, if you welcome them, you will receive a reward like theirs. Even more, in the very next sentence, Jesus says, And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. You will surely be rewarded, Jesus says. Another time, Jesus talks about a dinner that is taking place, a wedding feast. The host invites many people. I won't go over the entire story, but Jesus basically says, sit at the foot of the table rather than insisting on sitting at the head. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. In other words, Jesus is saying, if we give to those who cannot repay us, knowing that there is no prospect of our giving being returned, then at our resurrection, there will be a repayment for us. God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, again from the scripture. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now, this man understood what Jesus meant. There will be heavenly reward, and it will differ based on our actions here on earth. Finally, this, Jesus again from the scriptures. I tell you, Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Obviously, a reward is not stored up for those who use their worldly resources for themselves alone. In case we had any idea that all rewards were the same when people got to heaven, Jesus is clear that rewards differ based on our actions here on earth. So let's let's make this personal. I know folks who are not well-to-do at all. They barely get by week to week. They have to manage their money with extraordinary care. They never go out. They don't have a fancy TV. The car is probably 12 years old. There isn't much in the way of worldly wealth. Yet those people are faithful in their giving to the church and to God's work and to missionaries overseas and to beggars on the street. They scrimp and save and then take a significant percentage, far beyond a tithe, of the small amount that they have, and they give it freely and with joy. There are other people I know who have a medium amount of money, and some with a great deal of wealth who give hardly anything at all to anything. And when they do give, it is a tiny percentage of what they have. A tithe would be incomprehensible to them. I've heard some of these folks say, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give a whole bunch of money to the church. Probably not. More likely, this is a self-justifying prediction that would never be lived out. Jesus says, if you are not responsible about small amounts, you are not going to be responsible with big amounts. And if you are not responsible about even small amounts, God is not going to reward you. Jesus said that. Sadly, this can be used very manipulatively by leaders in the church, and I think it is sick and ungodly when it is. But nevertheless, Jesus is clear that we should bless others with what we have, whether we have little or much, and that those loving actions will be rewarded 
in heaven. Paul, the most prolific author in the New Testament, says this, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward both in this life and the next. Finally, this also from Paul. After all, what gives us hope and joy? What is our proud reward and crown? It is you. That is, the people he has been pastor to, the people he has taught and led to Christ, will be Paul's proud reward and crown. He has a reward that those who have not led others into the kingdom will not have. So, you can take it with you. There is something you can take with you when we die and enter heaven, a life much longer than this blink of an eye we are in right now. There are two things we can take with us from this life. The first are those things that the Lord has stored up for us in honoring our faithful service. They are waiting there for us. And yes, they differ depending upon how we acted in this life on earth, on whether we showed love and compassion for others or simply indulged ourselves. The other thing we can take into heaven is people, people we have shared the good news with and invited into the kingdom, people we have shared our sanctification with, people we have worked shoulder to shoulder with, people we have struggled with, argued with, gotten mad at, and reconciled with. These folks, we can take them with us. We go together. No, we can't take gold. What would you buy with it anyway in heaven? But we can take people that we have been given to love, that we have learned to love, and with whom we have shared the good news of God in Christ. What a privilege that is. So that is glorification. That is the third important theological term. I expect some of this scripture made you uncomfortable and raised deep questions in your mind. If so, good. It surely did for me. Theology is supposed to engage us, both to help know God better and especially to draw us closer to Him. We will circle back to the likely questions that were raised as we move forward. In our next session, Why Bother to Be Good?, we'll return to sanctification and the content of life in Christ, and we will begin to explore the many ways in which life in Christ is lived out. Something to wrestle with this week for sure. There is a degree to which you can take it with you. Those things the Lord stores up for us in response to our service here, and those with whom we interact here on earth. Some thought-provoking material for sure. Well, if you'd like to get your own copy of What We Believe and Why, it's available at the website of the same name, whatwebelieveandwhy.com. Dr. Koch is a respected teacher known for his ability to communicate the basics of faith across denominational boundaries. He's written numerous articles for magazines, ranging from the Wall Street Journal to Christianity Today, and is also the author of this fine book that is the basis for our ongoing radio study. We hope you can join us next week. More insightful information coming your way on What We Believe and Why. 